Good morning, Zoe family. It's a pleasure to be before you this morning, and I'm just really excited about what God is doing. He's doing some wonderful things, you know. Uh, sometimes the greatest things that you see the Lord do happen in a context in which you see like, like now, where the world is doing all kind of interesting things for sure. Uh, but that's a, a, that's a signal to really look to see what God is doing. God is never taken by surprise. He's never taken by surprise. And it's during this time that we can really lean on him. But I'm excited to continue with our series, Divine Healing in the Age of Corona. And before I get started, I'm going to say a word of prayer. We're going to get right into this word here. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace and your faithfulness and all that you're doing for us, Lord God. We thank you that in this whole process, Lord God, we are drawing closer to you and we are drawing others closer to you, Father God. We just thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and faithfulness to us. And may today's uh, message, Lord God, speak to our hearts. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. The Lord is so good. Uh, we're going to continue with this series on, on healing. And we're, we're you know, it's a, it's a delicate topic because, well, number one, we're certainly dealing with the pandemic and there are people who are dealing with that medically. And the other reason why it's delicate, of course, is certainly uh, there, there's certainly people in the media these days uh, who are affiliated with this kind of message uh, that, you know, um, there's all kinds of opinions about the way they're expressing their opinions about politics and all those other kind of things. And, and my focus here is really to focus on Jesus and the Word. And don't be distracted by all the noise out there and let that be a reason why you can't see Jesus as a healer. Uh, don't get preoccupied with people's personalities and the way they're doing all those other kinds of things and, and not allow yourself to see the way Jesus not only has healed historically, but is healing today. So we're going to review a little bit from last week and then we're going we're gonna to get into what God is really telling us this morning. So last week, we continued to build on, on a foundation for belief in divine healing. And as I indicated, this series has two objectives are two objectives, right? The two objectives are this. Number one, to demonstrate that developing faith for divine healing is biblical, practical, and beneficial. I'm going to say that again. That belief in divine healing is biblical, practical, and beneficial. It is something you should desire, and it is something you should expect, which gets into the second objective for our series, which is this to foster reasonable, I'm going to say it again, to foster reasonable expectations. Let me just stop there. Reasonable expectations. That's really, really important because as you know, people can go on the deep end with this stuff. People with good intentions. People, you know, Galatians talked about how you can start in the spirit and end up in the flesh. Right? We don't want to do that. But we also don't want to dismiss the reality that God is a healer. So we're going to say it again. To foster reasonable expectations for divine intervention in the healing and recovery of your physical body. Right? Reasonable expectations. Why? Because we're not asking you to abandon your medicine. Right? If you're dealing with diabetes, we're not asking you to stop taking insulin. We're not asking you to stop eating at regular intervals or all the things you do to take care of yourself. We're not asking you to get rid of your health insurance or anything like that. We're talking, we can, you can believe God and take practical measures for your health. You can do both at the same time. So to this end, we first discussed how we needed to look at healing 
holistically. That's really, really important, folks, because we're going to talk about at some point some, the reasons why sometimes people don't receive healing in their physical body. And in order to do that, we have to look at it from a holistic perspective, right? A holistic perspective. Let me just say this right here. This is not going to be a message that's, gonna, that's going to shame you for not having enough faith. We are going to address faith because faith is an issue. It's a variable, right? We can't act like that our faith or our unbelief doesn't affect what we receive from God. So we're going to talk about that explicitly, okay? And faith is a variable, and we have to look at it. So we, people have to be held accountable for their faith, okay? There's just no way around that. And we're going to see multiple instances in which people received healing because of their faith or didn't receive healing because of their unbelief. We're going to definitely address that. But just to let you know, this is not a message that's going to shame people because of the perception that they just didn't have enough faith. This is not about shaming at all. This is just about teaching the word, right? So to that end, um, so, 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 so here's the thing. This is one of the reasons why we want to look at it holistically is that, a, is, number one, a narrow understanding of divine healing will often place people in one of two categories. One of two categories. So one is the posture of healing always, right? And by that I mean, they say, look, it didn't happen if you prayed. If it didn't happen, you just didn't have enough faith. Well, guess what? There are more, there are more, faith isn't the only variable. We're gonna get into that. But there are other dynamics that affect your health. As we said last week, sometimes your health issue is a secondary or tertiary issue. Sometimes the issue is not a lack of faith, it's a lack of wisdom. Sometimes it's not a lack of faith or a lack of wisdom. Sometimes, as we indicated, there are demonic entities that, not in every sickness, in most sicknesses, don't involve demon possession, but there are clear biblical examples of a demonic entity animating the infirmity, and until that demon is cast out, the person will continue to be sick, right? And sometimes, as we said uh, uh, some, some series ago, we talked about the fact that there's some things we simply can't explain. That doesn't mean that God isn't a healer. It just means that we don't always connect the dots in this life. We don't always see, right? The, the scripture in, in Psalms 103 tells us that Israel knew his acts and Moses knew his ways. If you focus only on his acts, you'll be disappointed because we won't always be able to see how he's connecting the dots in this life. And sometimes we have to say, Lord, I prayed, I trusted, and I'm going to continue to trust you even though I don't see with my eyes the thing that I want. But here's what I want to communicate in this series. If you believe God and see God as a healer, the overall pattern will be healing manifested. I'm saying the overall pattern. I'm not saying there aren't instances and seasons in your life where you don't get what you want. That happens to all of us. But what I am saying is that you can expect an overall pattern of answered prayer with respect to healing if we can trust God and see him as a healer. What I'm saying is because there's people who say, look, yeah, I know he can heal, but will he heal me? And they see healing as, you know, sort of something maybe God might do every blue moon. And I'm saying you can expect God to heal. So some people are the healing always camp, but we're going to talk about how there's reasons why some people don't receive their healing, sometimes spiritual, sometimes uh, emotional, social, sometimes physical, taking care of your body. God can heal you supernaturally, but he can't make you eat right. He's not going to make you eat right. You, those are your choices. 
He's not going to make you exercise. He's not going to make you rest. He's not going to make you get a checkup. That's on us, right? So those are some dynamics involved. But here's the other posture people take. Healing never. Healing never. I talked to someone a few years ago, and they had unfortunately had the experience of having three or four friends get incredibly ill or sick and die, and they say they wondered if we should even be praying for healing because they were so disappointed at the outcome, and they prayed and prayed. And many of us have stories like that of people who've gotten sick or people who've died, and we prayed for them, and everybody came and, you know, did all the stuff we were supposed to do, and it didn't happen. And so they get discouraged, and they say, well, you know, I guess he doesn't heal today. That's not true either. That's definitely not true today, right? So, so what do we do? So the reality, as I said before, is that faith is not the only variable affecting our physical health. It's not the only variable. It's an important variable. It's one of the main variables we're going to talk about early on in this series, but that's really important to know. However, though all of this is true, we can still approach God when we are faced with sickness and maintain a reasonable expectation to be healed. So although all that stuff is true, we can still maintain a reasonable expectation. In fact, this series is going to encourage you to expect healing every time, even though you know people are not healed all the time. I'm going to say it again. This series is going to encourage you to expect healing every time you come before God, even though you know that there are people who aren't healed all the time. Well, how does that work? Again, I'm going to use my sports example. We talked about the basketball example, didn't we? Right? Do we look at Steph? Steph Curry misses shots, doesn't he? Michael Jordan missed shots. Kobe Bryant missed shots. But we don't talk about the misses. We look at what? The overall pattern. We call them shot makers. Let me tell you something. If Steph Curry is about to shoot a basketball from half court, you better guard him. Nobody's saying, well, he misses shots sometimes, so he's probably not going to make that one. No. He shoots the ball, and every time, maybe not every time he's human, but a really good shooter, they're expecting it to go in. In fact, they're sitting there like this. They, they sit here like this. Until the ball has left their hand. They're sitting there like this. They're expecting the ball to go in, even though they know they miss shots. Even though they know that, that, that there's, there's statistics and, and, and analytics and, and, and all these other kind of things, you can't think about that when you're in the game. You know, uh, if you remember, if you're watching the NBA Finals and there was one series where Anthony Davis from the Lakers had to make the game-winning shot. And he, he, he shot, uh, Rajon Rondo uh, 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 passed him the ball and Anthony Davis took the shot and made the shot. And afterwards, uh, LeBron James was commenting on Anthony Davis' shot because the reality is that several months earlier, he had, he had also an opportunity to make that game-winning shot but he missed it. And so here he is in the finals, game on the line, series on the line. He takes the shot and makes the shot. And so LeBron James is commenting on Anthony Davis's mentality when it happens. And he says this, I talked to my bro, Anthony Davis, and I said, I told him when he missed that game submitting shot several months before, not to be discouraged. Right? Because he said, here's the reality with those game-winning shots. It's not about so much you making the shot, it's you taking the shot. Do you have the courage to take the shot? You can't make shots if you don't take shots. And there's some people who won't take their shots. 
They're facing the prospect of sickness and death, and they say, ah, yeah, it probably won't happen. Ah, yeah, I know my friend, you know, passed away. We prayed for them. It didn't happen. So they don't take the shot. How are you going to make a shot if you don't take a shot? You got to go in with the expectation. I'm going to give you another example, a very fresh example. We happen to have two L.A. teams win, win the championship this year, so I got plenty of examples here. But you saw game six, hopefully you saw, of the Dodgers win of the World Series. And what happened? The Tampa Bay Rays, they had their ace in there, Blake Snell. And he was killing us with his pitches. He was killing us. And what, does, what do they do? They got criticized for this. They took out their ace. They took out their pitcher. He was doing great. He was, he, he, we couldn't hit anything when Blake Snell was in the game, but the Tampa Bay Rays took him out. Why? Analytics. If you follow baseball, in fact, there's a movie about this. It's called Moneyball, right? Moneyball. And Moneyball basically is this system of baseball where you do all this analysis. You know, when this pitcher is in this spot and has this many pitches, he's going he's gonna, to, he's gonna, you know, uh, strike out this amount of times. You have this runner and this batter, and it's all about math. And you have the right person at the right place at the right time, and then you'll win the game, right? Well, they took Snell out because of what? Analytics. He was hot, but he was their ace, and they should have kept him in the game. Well, actually, they shouldn't have because maybe the Dodgers wouldn't have won, so I'm happy about the Dodgers win. But they're thinking about analytics and not thinking about their ace. And what I want to tell you this morning is stop looking at analytics and stick with your ace. Jesus is your ace. When you're faced with sickness and disease, quit thinking about all the people who died from that. Stick with your ace. Keep him in the game. Don't pull him out. He's the one that's going to set us free. So having said all that, let's get into this. Jesus, our ace, is the healer. And to see him as the healer, as we discussed last week, we must also see him holistically. To see Jesus holistically is to see him as the personification of every divine attribute God has revealed to us in Scripture. We have to see Jesus as the personification of every divine attribute that God reveals to us in Scripture. All the promises, principles, and prophecies of Scripture culminate in Jesus. Really important, because even though some of us know Jesus, it's almost like his name is a cliche, that he's the son of God. It's almost like a cliche, and we're not even recognizing the power he holds, even though he is the son of God. I'll give you an example. We talked about this last week. Luke 24 through 27, we have Jesus speaking to a couple of people who don't know that he has been resurrected. And Jesus basically, their eyes are closed to the fact that Jesus is standing right there with them. And while he's talking to them, he's explaining to them, he's opening up the Old Testament and explaining to them, you know, that the, the Old Testament, all of it was really about me. Everything they said about God in the Old Testament was really it was talking about me. Luke 24, 27, it says this, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Let me tell you, the Bible is about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. Even before the gospels, the Bible, the Old Testament is speaking about Jesus himself. I don't have time to get into that, but those of you who are in my Bible survey class, we're talking about the fact 
that even the gospel itself, the, the basic message of the gospel was available to people in the Old Testament because they were foreseeing the day when this promised one, this Messiah, this Christ would be born. It was possible even to believe in Jesus before he was even born. The Bible says in Galatians that the gospel was preached to Abraham beforehand. I'm not going to get into all of that, but the, the main idea here is that everything that's true about God throughout the Old Testament is true about Jesus. Let's continue. This is really important because amongst the things that God is in the Old Testament is a healer, and we're going to go over that. So let's build on this. Look at Colossians 1, 13 through 19. The New Testament is reiterating the things that I'm saying. Verse 13, it says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15 is really important. It says he is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. That is, whatever God is, uh, is, is revealed in Jesus. We are able to see God through Jesus, who is God. He's the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Is that who you see when you see Jesus, or do you just see a man who taught people and healed people sometimes? Do you see him in the fullness of his glory? Now, and there was a point in uh, while he was here on the earth that he displayed his glory in its fullness, maybe not his full fullness, but certainly more than he normally did, to a couple of his close disciples. And they saw him, they, we call it the transfiguration. But we also, even without seeing Jesus kind of show himself and all his brilliance to us physically, we should still be able to see his fullness by faith, by seeing that he's more than just a man and that in his, he has all the capacities God has. All the capacities that God displayed in the Old Testament, all of his promises, all of his names, all the ways that God revealed himself are in Jesus. And if they're in Jesus, then I can go to him with everything that I would have been able to go to him in the Old Testament for. Let's continue. Verse 17, and he is before all things and in him all things hold together. How can you go to someone like this and imagine that he can't heal you? that he won't heal you if, in fact, he is this person. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Verse 19, here's the key. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We can't put ourselves in a position to edit out things from Jesus that the Bible says is in him. We can't go to all of God's attributes, the way he's revealing himself, take the healing part away because it says the fullness of God is in Jesus. So among other things, he is a healer. Jehovah Rapha, we're going to talk about that as we go in this. Colossians 2.9, what does it say? For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The fullness of the Father, the fullness of the Holy Spirit are all in Jesus. Everything you need to access the Lord is in Jesus. So let's see him that way and not limit a scope of him to, to only being somebody who forgives our sins. He does forgive our sins, but that's not all he does. It's like having a 
a, a mobile phone and you just use it to call people. I mean, it does that. It's important. I suppose it's the main thing a phone should do. But guess what? A phone does far more than that. When you got your phone, you also got your camera. You also got your video. You also got your social media. You got all kinds of things, and you're only using it to call people. That's how we treat Jesus sometimes. We see him as someone who forgives sins, which we should be eternally grateful for. But there's more that he did on the cross than that. Let's continue. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So he's establishing the fact that Jesus is creator as much as the Father is. He is a creator. Verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature. And if that's true, quit saying he doesn't heal. When God reveals himself to Israel as a healer, and if that's true about the Father, it's true about the Son. And if it's true about the Son, when you go to him, you should expect healing. How are you going to call him healer and not expect his name is healing? What kind of sense does that make? I mean, you're healer, but when I come to you, don't expect healing. That doesn't make any sense. If you recognize who Jesus is, you receive the things that are, derived, that are derived from who he is. Let's continue. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, Verse 4, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. We're going to focus on that name aspect because he, we're going to see later that he's been given a name that is above every name, right? It's a, so you don't have to necessarily remember all the names of God. You just got to remember Jesus. That's what they say in the Greek. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua. In Spanish, it's Jesus. And, and French is Jesu, but it's a different languages, same name. When you call upon that name, you get access to all the other names. When you call the name of Jesus, all the other names of God are accessible to you, including Jehovah Rapha or Rohi, depending on the pronunciation or the spelling. There's the various spellings. So let's talk about the names of God. I'm not going to talk about all of them at length. But I just want to show you all the ways that God is revealing himself to Israel. You see, a lot of times, we, a couple of weeks ago, we listed how we talked about how there was prosperity that was written into the laws of the Jews. And a lot of people quote those scriptures, like, I'm blessed going in and blessed going out, or I'm the head and not the tail, I'm above and not beneath, and all these various things. Where those are God's acts. And I actually think that people have spent more time on what he does than really looking at who he is. The source of our faith really should be based on who he is because who he is doesn't change. What you see about what he does may change from time to time. Maybe it happened for this person and didn't happen for another one. But if you base it on that, you're basing it on sight. You're basing it on things you can discern, but God is bigger than what he does. God is bigger than what he does. 
because you only have a limited part of what you can see about what he does, which is why the scripture says, hey, Israel just knew his acts, but Moses knew his ways. And when you know God's ways, your faith can be sustained that he is a healer because his ways have to do with who he is and who he is is revealed in Jesus. Which is why Paul, if you look at all the letters of the church and when he wrote down his prayers, what did he keep praying for the church? That they would know him. That they would know him. Because if you know him, you got everything else. Let's look at some of these names. I'm going to go through them quickly so you can see them here. So many ways, and this is not even an exhaustive list. I've taken this from, there's a Hilton Sutton Bible. He passed away a uh, wonderful man of God who preached about uh, the end times. He passed away, but he produced this Bible. And in this Bible, it was, it has, it, it put the, the, the it, it not only put Jesus's words in red, but anytime God spoke directly, it put God's words in red. But it also gave you, anytime it said God or Lord, it indicated the Hebrew uh, name of God that was associated with that word. So I'm just going to list a few of them here. Um, the references are in your notes. I'm not going to read all the references, but if those of you who, are, who have downloaded the notes or accessing the online notes, all of this are, these are references for you. Here we go. Eloah or Elohim, the mighty one. Jehovah, the self-existing one. Adon or Adonai, Lord. El Elyon, the most high God. Eroi, God sees me. El Shaddai. Almighty God, God Almighty, the Almighty. God is the all-powerful one. El Olam, we have a church that we partner with on this campus called El Olam, right? And the name of that church basically means, and the name of this word is the everlasting God, or God is the eternal one. El Chai, or El Hai, called, and that means the living God. El Kana, the jealous God. And why is God jealous? Because he owns us. And when we worship other gods, he gets jealous. You can get jealous about something that you own. You can get jealous about something that's yours. God is the only one who can be jealous and be righteous at the same time. And so he's jealous for us. And you see all the scriptural references. You can look these up in terms of where he's revealing himself to be those things. El Hanan, the merciful God. And uh, El Avraham, Isaac. Yaakov, which is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jehovah Saboeth, the Lord of hosts, or Jehovah of the heavenly armies. You see the scriptural references there. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner, or my victory, the God that gives you victory over your enemies. Uh, Jehovah Rophi or Rapha, depending on the variant spelling, the God who heals you. That's the emphasis today. But notice it's among the list of things that God is. How are you going to take that one out and keep all the rest? Doesn't make sense. Let's continue, though. Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. We rely on this one a lot because basically we, the basic message of the gospel is that we are not righteous in our own right, but by believing in Jesus, we are given righteousness as a gift. We're happy to receive this, but, we're all, but we don't accept the other ones. That's a challenge. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. And uh, Ayah Asher Ayah, I am that I am. These are various names of God revealing his character. And I want to show you the ways in which Jesus is saying, yes, I'm that dude. 
Yes, I'm that dude. Everything you saw in the Old Testament, hey, that's me. I want to show you an example of him doing that. Well, first of all, I want to go to the passage where God reveals himself as I am. Go to Exodus 3, 13 through 14. It says this. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, and here we got the I am that I am. He says, I am who I am. I exist that I exist, essentially. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Really important word. Jesus invokes that word in a conversation with the Pharisees and basically says, hey, I'm that dude. Let's go to that passage. John 8, 52 through 59, they're having essentially a debate. The Pharisees are offended at him, the, 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 the audacity of him to de- declare that, that, that he's the son of God, that he has this truth. And so you see here in verse 52, it says, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. They think Jesus is demon possessed. Abraham died as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. They're challenging his statements here. Verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets? And and the prophets who died, who do you make yourself out to be? So they're challenging him. And what does Jesus say in response? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. Let's continue. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I did not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. He's getting closer. He's about to reveal himself. Verse 56, he says, your father Abraham, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Now that tripped them up. They said, wait a minute. They're thinking like, Abraham's dead. He'd been dead a long time. How could he possibly have seen you? And then, and then, and then, and, and this is what they say, verse 57. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? How is it possible? You're not even 50. He's not even probably barely past 30 at this point, right? How, how, how is it possible that he could have seen Abraham? Verse 58, Jesus says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, what does he say? I am. What is he saying? I am the great I am. In other words, when that bush was burning, <laughs> when that bush was burning and, 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 and Moses was trying to figure things out, that was me. And of course, afterwards, they wanted to stone him. But my point is, Jesus is saying, I am God. And I have all of those attributes. So, 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 so check it out. Philippians 2, 9 through 10, when we, this speaks about the name of Jesus, Right? So now when we hear the name of Jesus, when we say the name of Jesus, we should know that we are evoking all the the authority and powers that God has, which includes the capacity to heal. What does it say? Philippians 2, 9 through 10, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at that At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. It's greater than all the other names, all the other names we listed. It's greater than those names. People get, people get you know, they, 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 they get, um, you've seen people like this who say, you got to say his name exactly right or it doesn't work. Well, look, 
the Bible tells us that the worship service in heaven is going to be multilingual, okay? So there's going to be a lot of ways to express our praise to God. Let's not get it too twisted here, right? I mean, we actually can say the name of Jesus in different languages, and that's the name that you should know. It's a name above every name, and it accesses all the other names of God. So, so here's what I want to here's, here's clarify with you then. So look, the main point is this. Receiving divine healing has everything to do with seeing Jesus clearly. It doesn't start, I mean, it, it doesn't start with all of this activity that, you know, if, if you follow people in this tradition, you know, they got like seven, eight steps. You hear, follow these eight steps and you have an answer prayer guaranteed. I'm not dismissing all of that. What I am saying is that this begins with seeing Jesus clearly. I talked briefly about the woman with the issue of blood, and we haven't gotten to it in detail yet. We will, but essentially, how in the world does she know to go touch his garment? How does she know that would happen? Nobody told her that. Why? She could see Jesus clearly. She can see he was Jehovah Rapha. She could see, she saw, everyone else just saw a man from Galilee. She saw Jehovah Rapha. Blind Bartimaeus couldn't see, and they were yelling at him to be quiet. He wouldn't be quiet. Why? Because in his blindness, he could see Jehovah Rapha. That's Jehovah Rapha walking down there. I, he can heal me. When the Roman soldier came to Jesus and said, heal my servant, and Jesus was like, okay, let's go heal your servant. He's like, no, you don't, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Just speak a word. Who told him that? He had a revelation of who Jesus really was. So here's the deal. Ironically, to secure the prosperity that word of faith preachers talk about, we must focus less on prosperity the way we understand it and focus more on Jesus. Jesus. He is the culmination of it all. Focus on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is prosperity. It's why Paul, and I'm, I'm not going to, I don't have the scripture listed here, but in Philippians, he says, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. I know how to be full. I know how to suffer need. I know how to be poor. I know how to be rich. Why? Because none of that is my source. Who is my source? Christ. I do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because Jesus himself is my prosperity. So when I don't have bread, I got bread. <laughs> Jesus is my bread. <laughs> Jesus is my food. Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my shepherd. Jesus is my protection. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my mighty one. I got all that in Jesus. He's everything we need. This includes healing. So when we can see the God that heals in Jesus, we can receive healing from him like so many people did when Jesus walked physically on the earth. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity here to just draw closer to you, Lord God. That's our passion, that's our desire, that's our, that's our heart's cry. And I don't know what your day is like today, what your week has been like, 
Certainly, we've all gone through the similar things in the world with respect to global and national events. But I, I just, my prayer today is that you would draw close to Jesus. There's nothing you want that matters. There's no desire you have that, that, that's important that the issue won't be addressed in Jesus. Finding peace is about seeing him clearly. Having a joy that, that, that is unspeakable, that, that, that's about seeing Jesus clearly. Living a life that's not filled with stress is about seeing Jesus clearly. And he, you can't see him physically necessarily, but there's a way in which you can see him spiritually. And one critical way to see him is God, who became man, lived on this earth, entered human history, entered time and space, and saw us who, as I've said in weeks before, that we are born enemies of the state. Our very natures work against the righteousness of God. You know, when you, get to, you, know, when you, get, when you stand before God after you die, he's not going to judge you based upon what your friends think is right. He's not going to judge you based upon what the courts of this land think is right. He's not going to judge you based upon what any human person thinks is right. He's going to judge you based upon what he thinks is right. And guess what? No human being can live up to that standard. And so what Jesus did is he came to the earth and he paid the price for our rebellion against him on the cross. He died. And when he was resurrected, he defeated sin and said, look, I now give you righteousness as a gift. You no longer have to work for it. You no longer have to earn it. It's something you can receive by having faith in me. And let me tell you, getting the righteousness that comes from God, it's just the beginning. As I said before, as we've been talking about in this series, God is so many things. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our protector. He's our victory. But it begins with seeing him as your savior, as the one who redeems you from your sin and gifts you his own righteousness. If that's you today, perhaps You've never been a person who's come to faith and you just happen to be watching today and you've never committed to Jesus in any formal way. Others of you, others of you, maybe you have grown up in a Christian environment. Perhaps you have a Christian family and you've participated in Christian activities, but you've never actually taken God seriously for your own. In fact, if those people weren't in your life, you probably wouldn't be faithful to the things that you do. And it could be that this morning, you need to make a formal commitment to Jesus, something you own. I remember when I was, when I reached a phase in my life, I grew up in a Christian family, but I had to get to a point where God was not just going to be the God of my parents, but that he was going to be my God. And through Jesus, you can have a personal relationship with God. If that's you, will you pray with me? Just repeat after me. Dear God, I come to you now and I am turning away from everything that displeases you. And I am submitting to Jesus as my Lord, my master, my savior. 
I receive this precious gift of salvation and of righteousness. I know that I cannot be righteous on my own, but that I need Jesus to live a righteous life. Thank you, God, for saving me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit so that the life of Christ may be manifested in my life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.